I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. God is good. And all the time. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Happy New Year. And I say that to those of you in the building and to those of you connecting via whatever electronic means of connection you have, YouTube, Facebook, Zoom, whatever it is, we're grateful you're with us. This is the very first Sabbath of the new year, and someone sent me a text saying, what a blessing to have the new year begin on the holy day. That's one good reason to try to live an entirely holy life in this new year. I thank God for life, and I'm sure you do as well. Thank him for delivering us from all the trials and tribulations of 2021. And I hope that we have made a decision to leave the grudges of 221 in 221 and enter into 222 with a different mindset altogether. It is with that mindset in mind that our subject is weapons of war. What did I say? Weapons of war. Before I proceed, is there anyone present who is not a Seventh-day Adventist? May I see your hand? All right. I believe they are online, those worshiping with us who are not Seventh-day Adventists. If that is the case, thank you very much for taking the time to fellowship with us. And may the Lord bless you so copiously that you will desire to fellowship with us again. And when I say us, I mean the Seventh-day Adventist congregation. I have some friends in Nairobi who are watching and around the world. Wherever you are, I can't begin to call names. Thank you for connecting. God bless you. God bless you beyond your imagination. All right. It is now 11.36. I'll release you before 12.30. I'm quite sure. I hope that pleases you. Before I, since you said no, you may regret not saying yes, it pleases us. If you don't need this as a Bible, please make sure it's turned off. Let me check mine so you don't have to say to me, physician, heal thyself. All right, it's off. I'll ask you also while I'm speaking, pray for me and simply say, Lord, put <clears throat> your words in that man's mouth. This is a very serious request. While you're speaking, the devil can just twist your tongue and you may say the right thing the wrong way or you may say the right thing the wrong time. Are you following me? You know, Jesus told the disciples, I have yet many things to say unto you, <clears throat> excuse me, but ye cannot bear them now. It's very interesting. God is so precise. God may require the speaker to say something at a certain time in the message, because that's when someone listening is ready to receive it. And so I need you to pray, Lord, put your words in that man's mouth. And may the Lord grant me the humility to listen to the Spirit when he tells me, say this or don't say that. Favor number three, think as you listen. 
Isaiah 118, come now, let us do what? Reason together, saith the Lord. We serve a reasonable God, and I'm very grateful for that. The devil is not reasonable at all, but God is. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come before you in the name of Jesus, a name you always accept. We thank you today, God, that we are alive. We thank you for bringing us safely through 2021 and have ushered us on the doorstep of 2022. Father, we know not lie what lies in the year. We don't know what lies five minutes from now. And so, dear God, we ask you to take us by the hand, guide us step by step, dear God, as we continually surrender ourselves to you, that you may guide us as unerringly as you guided the Israelites through the wilderness. If we've sinned against you, forgive us, I pray, particularly me. I humble myself before you, dear God, and I ask you in the name of your Son, my Savior, speak through me, Father. Hide me behind the cross that you may be seen and heard. I offer myself to you as an instrument in the hands of a master musician. Do with me as you will. Bless everyone listening, whether in this building or online, dear God. Grant them comprehension as the words of truth are presented. If anyone under the sound of my voice has contracted COVID-19, in the name of Jesus Christ, the great physician, heal those persons, Father, 100%. Those who suffered the loss of loved ones, comfort them, Father, and reassure them that the day is coming when death shall be no more. Death shall actually die. Father, bless anyone listening who is not a Seventh-day Adventist. Touch that person in a very special way and put a double blessing on their children. Now, dear God, we commit this service to your glory. Bless not only us, but wherever your people are worshiping now, bless them, Father. Let your presence be sensed and felt. In Jesus' name we pray. Let God's people say, Amen, amen and Amen. Romans chapter 12. Weapons of war. Romans 12. We read from verse 17. And I read from the King James Version of the Bible. Romans 12. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And under the circumstances in our country, live peaceably with the government. Let me say it again. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, not the other person, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. <clears throat> Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, tell me, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Read 21 with me. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me read that again. 
Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Let us take a look at evil. Genesis 2 verse 9. Evil does not always mean what we think it means in the Bible. Genesis chapter 2 verse 9, our subject, weapons of war. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that's pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This is our introduction to the word evil in the Bible. And in verse 16 and 17, the Bible says also of Genesis 2, And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. We have a connection between evil and death. Involvement in evil leads to death. Actually, evil, which is sin, has death in it. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. Sin evil, wickedness, transgression, iniquity, they have death in them. Sins are nothing more than slices of death. And so God said, in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Avoid evil. Genesis 6, reading verse 5, as we continue, weapons of war. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. The word wickedness there is the same Hebrew word for evil. And so we have the dark side or the darkest side of evil. But evil can also mean something else. Go to Genesis 19. We'll read from verse 15 of Genesis 19. <clears throat> Thank you. Do you have Genesis 19? We read from verse 15. As you look for it, let me ask God again one more time. Father, put your words in my mouth and the Spirit of Christ in my heart. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. And when the morning arose, then the men hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand. And upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. This is God trying to save Lot from the impending doom on Sodom and Gomorrah. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plains. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O not so, my Lord, behold, thy servant have found grace in thy sight. Listen to Lot now. And thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shewed unto me in saving my life. Now listen to how the verse ends. And I cannot escape to the mountain. Finish that verse. Lest some evil take me and I die. Now the word evil there does not mean sin. It simply means a calamity. Perhaps on the way to the mountain, I may fall into a well or I may be attacked by a wild animal. Something unfortunate. The word evil there means a calamity, not something with a moral dimension to it. When Christ was caught in a storm, that storm was an evil. Are you following me? 
A landslide is an evil. The typhoon that devastated parts of the Philippines a couple of weeks ago, that's an evil. The, the, the floods that went through Tennessee, I believe it was, a couple of months ago, that's an evil. The tornadoes that destroyed so much of uh, houses in Kentucky, that's an evil. There's a fire now in Boulder, Colorado, that's an evil, not a sin. It is in this context we must read Isaiah 45, verse 7. I need to deal with that quickly as we continue weapons of war. Isaiah 45, verse 7. People have come to me with that verse saying, ah, God commits sin. And it really irritates me when they do that because they do not understand God. I do what? Form the light and make darkness and create darkness. I do what? Make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. What does God mean by I create evil? God says, I can send calamities. God does not create sin. Who sent the flood? God. Who sent fire on Sodom and Gomorrah? God. Who sent the ten plagues? God. There were evils, not sin. So God is saying, I can send calamity. As Now, if you look at the verse carefully, if you look at the first part, I form the light and create darkness. So we have two opposites. Are you following me? Now, the other pair are also t- is also two opposites. I make peace and create evil. So evil there is really the opposite of peace in that verse. Am I talking to myself or are you with me? And so evil there means something that disrupts your peace. All right. But the evil in Romans 12, 21, be not overcome of evil. But overcome evil with good does not refer to hurricane. You can't overcome a hurricane with good. Are you following me? All right. It means something morally wrong. But we're called by God to overcome evil. How? Well, we have a clue. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. We see the hints of opposites. Hunger should be met with food. Thirst should be met with drink. Now let's look at a parallel passage. Matthew 5, reading from verse 43, to get more light. What is a parallel passage? It's a Bible passage that explains another similar passage. Because parallel things run side by side. A parallel passage, Matthew 5, reading from verse 43, our subject, weapons of war, it's 1148. Those of you online, I hope you're still with us. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, let me pause on that again and digress. Ye have heard what the government said, but I say unto you, ye have heard what your boss said, but I say unto you, ye have heard what NASA is saying by sending a telescope to discover how the world was formed. But I say unto you, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Are you with me? We must, our final step must be, but I say. You have heard that your friend said, if you want to be cool, smoke some drugs. But I say, this temple is the home of the Holy Spirit. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy, but I say unto you, read with me now, love your enemies. That's love. Bless them that curse you. That's bless. Do good to them that hate you. That's do good. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. We have love 
bless, do good, and pray. Do you see that? We have love. We have bless. We have do good. We have pray. In response to enemies, curse, hate, despitefully use, and persecute. What's our subject? Weapon of war. Weapons of war. Now Jesus says, love your enemies. Our natural condition is to hate our enemies. Earlier in that chapter said, and whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, finish it for me, turn to him the other also. The Christ is speaking to converted people. The Sermon on the Mount was for the disciples. The multitudes overheard. But if you listen to the, read the Bible carefully, Matthew 5, 1 says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. But the multitudes overheard. But the Sermon on the Mount is not for unsaved people. It's for children of God. And he's God, Christ says to the child of God, Whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, Turn to him the other also. In this context we read, bless, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And so we have love, bless, do good, pray. That is what has to come out of you. In response to what comes out of the other person, which is enemy or hatred, cursing, you know, hatred, Spitefully using you and persecuting you. Good, bless, pray comes out of us, according to God. Hate, enemy, persecute, despitefully use comes out of the persecutors. Now, we have two different sources of two different things. Now, let's go to Mark 7. Our subject, weapons of war. The Bible tells us how to overcome evil. Do you have Matthew, uh, Mark 7? We'll read from verse 14. Has anyone said, Lord, put your words in that man's mouth here? Yeah. Ah, God bless you, God bless you. All right. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me and understand how many of them? Every one of you. I like that. Jesus tells the multitude, I expect every one of you to understand. Hearken unto me and understand every one of you. There's nothing from without a man that entering him to, into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. Now we have to look at that closely and microscopically. Jesus says, there is nothing from where? Without a man that entering into him can defile him. Now let's keep our minds on Matthew chapter 5 again. Without going back there. Bless them that curse you. The person curses you, it enters into your head. Are you with me? What does it not do? It doesn't defile. There's nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But those things which come out of him, but the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. It's a very, very powerful principle. 
Now, why is that? Let's keep reading. If any man hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said unto them, Are ye so without understanding? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into a man, it cannot defile him? Now he tells them why in verse 19. Why? Because it entereth not, where? Into his heart. Now, out of the abundance of the the mouth speaketh and all actions proceed from the heart that's why christ changes this christ said it does not enter into the heart it enters into the belly referring of course to unclean foods by the way unclean foods do not defile us the decision to disobey god is the defilement uh, you missed it it's my fault let me try again a pork chop in and of itself is not a sin are you with me? A decision to eat it is a sin because it violates God's dietary laws. Is that clear? And so it is not the pork chop coming in. It is the decision from within going out. It entereth not into the heart, Mark 7 verse 19, but into the belly and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. Now, verse 20 of Mark 7. And he said, that which cometh out of the man that defileth the man okay having said that let us go back to Matthew 5 quickly 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 quicker than that Matthew 5 before 43 again you have heard it hath been said thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy but I say unto you love your enemies bless them that hate you Pray, do good to them that bless them that bless your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now read 45 with me. That ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. Not children of the world. When Christ prayed for the disciples in John 17, verse 14, verse 16, he said, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. God is saying, if you are a child of heaven, you bless those who curse you. You love your enemies. Question for you, this is African-American church largely. Should you love members of the clan? Say yes or no quickly. <laughs> Did that hurt? <laughs> Does the Bible call us to love them? Yes. Now that us go against culture and, and yes. <laughs> That's why a child of God is a different creature altogether. Different altogether. When Jesus lived on this earth, the people said, what manner of man is this? That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Now listen to verse 46 and 47. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. Now that's a very embarrassing statement. Let me show you why. Jesus said, if you only love those who like you, you are no different from the publicans. But who were the publicans? Let's take a look at the publicans. Go to Matthew 9. We read 10 and 11, weapons of war, 3 minutes to 12. Do you have Matthew 9? 10 and 11. 
And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with whom? Publicans and sinners. Sinners there does not mean someone who made a mistake. It means someone whose lifestyle is wickedness. Are you following me now? Publicans are classed with sinners in that verse. Go to Matthew 18. Jesus says, you know, different from publicans, we have to look at publicans. Matthew 18, let's read from verse 15, a very familiar passage. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. He shall, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he, neglect, if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, finish that verse with me now, let him be what? As a heathen and a publican. Now in Matthew 9, the publicans are classed with whom? Sinners. In Matthew 18, they are classed with whom? Heathen, the unbelievers. Let's go to Matthew 21. Three chapters to the right. From verse 28 on, Jesus tells the parable of a man who had two sons. He told one, go to the vineyard and work. He said, I won't go. Then he went. He tells the other one, go. He said, I'm going, but he didn't go. You know that story. In verse 31, the second half of that verse, Jesus saith unto them, verily I say unto you, the publicans, come on, and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you now. In Matthew 9, publicans are classed with whom? sinners in matthew 18 they class with whom the heathen the unbelievers in matthew 21 they class with whom harlots now gee keep this in mind and go back to matthew 5 verse 46 for if ye love them which loves you what reward have ye do not even the publicans the same hmm? And if ye salute your brethren only, verse 47, what do ye more than others? Who are the others? The publicans. Do not even the publicans so. Then you begin to understand why Jesus said early in that chapter, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. God calls us to a standard that the world cannot understand. You're no better than a publican. Now, you're vegetarian, you're well-dressed, yes, but you're just a vegetarian publican. Most demon-possessed people look normal. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Most demon-possessed people look normal. All right, what have we said? We're supposed to overcome evil how? With good. We saw an example of good. Love your enemies, love. Bless them that curse you, bless. Do good to them that hate you, do good. Pray. So you bless, you love, you bless, you do good. That's good. These are the weapons of our warfare. We know from 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of. Strong, they're not carnal, meaning they're not of a man-made nature. That's what carnal means in that verse doesn't mean sinful it means earthly but the weapons we are to use are spiritual we have an, an example of evil we have enemies we have curse we have persecute we have despitefully used 
we have hate. Now, all of that comes from the enemy and because that makes that person evil because Jesus said evil comes from inside out, not from the outside in. But if I retaliate, are you with me? Now, retaliation is, is an attitudinal ping pong. You hit the ball and I hit it even harder. Are you with me? Now, Jesus is saying virtually, if you re re respond to hatred with hatred, you are no different from the person who hated you first. So you have joined the ranks. Jesus was hated and he loved. What did he say on the cross to those who were crucifying him? Father, forgive them. When Stephen was being stoned, before the stoning ended, what were his last words? Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Paul was abandoned when he was first tried. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 16. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God it may not be put to their charge. Different attitude altogether. When evil is done to us, the Bible's prescription is the weapon to fight it is to respond with the very opposite. That is not as easy as it sounds. That's why the Bible says in 2 Timothy 6 verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Let me take your mind in a one step higher or lower. This is not the evil that's our greatest danger, what people do to us. Listen to Romans 12, 21 again. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. The evil that really threatens our salvation is not persecution from people because Jesus says nothing coming from the outside can defile. No amount of hatred from the world can defile you. No amount of uh, mistreatment from your enemy can defile you. Defilement does not come from the outside in. Defilement comes from the inside out. Let's go to Mark 7 again. Our subject, weapons of war. Mark 7 is four minutes after 12. Do you have Mark chapter 7? Let's read from verse 7. Are you found good? Say amen. And he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within... Out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, uh, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from where? From within and defiled. Now, if no one ever persecutes you, is there evil from within? Yes. If no one ever curses you and your family, is there evil within? Yes. And so when we read Romans 12, 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good, we must rise above simply persecution from others, which the Bible calls evil, and consider that the most dangerous evil is not what people do to us, but what we do to God. Now this must also be overcome with good. Mm. Are you saying amen because you're nice or because you're following me? There is evil with us. The Bible says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not, if Satan died tonight, we'd sin tomorrow. 
We sin tonight. The devil is the instigator of sin. We are the perpetrators of sin. I'm not defending the devil, not by any means. I'm not. But we need to be intelligent. The devil cannot make anyone sin. The devil invites and we have the RSVP. God can't make anyone do right. He has to encourage and we have to do the same thing. And so our sins are our doing, not the doing of the devil. Temptation is his work. Sometimes we create our own temptations. And so there is an evil in us that must be overcome. And as verily as we overcome evil from without with good, we must overcome evil within with good. And what is that good? Let's go to Psalm 100 verse 5. Psalm 100 verse 5, our subject, weapons of war. Do you have that? For the Lord is what? Good. Let's go to uh, Exodus 34, reading verses 5 and 6. This is God coming down to respond to Moses' request. Show me thy glory in chapter 33. God is coming down to show him what he really needs to see. He wants to see God's face. God will show him his character. God does not always give us what we want. He gives us what is good for us. Somebody say amen. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, long-suffering. What does that next statement say? Abundant in goodness. Goodness is a divine quality. Are you following me? Go to Romans 7. Romans 7. Let's read verse 12. Romans chapter 7, verse 12. Our subject, weapons of war. More people leave the church because of hard feelings than because of bad theology. It's easier to kill cancer than to kill someone whose feelings have been hurt. I mean, we forget favors, we never forget insults. Romans 7, verse 12. Wherefore, the law is... Holy and the commandment, holy, come on, just and good. The goodness that is identified in Romans 12, 21 is at its highest the very righteousness of God, which is seen in the way God acts and is also seen in his law, which was lived out in the life of Christ. If evil comes from within, it has to be stopped. Where? from within it cannot be stopped from without if it issues from within let me say that again evil that is natural to us must be stopped from within now how does god do that i will put my law where in the inward parts come on and write it where on their hearts now as verily as the holy ghost wrote the ten commandments in exodus 34 so verily does he write them on the fleshy tables of the heart now with the law of god which is the righteousness of god because god's law is a sacred as god himself with the law of righteousness abides sin and evil as a lifestyle cannot abide when God said and I will put enmity between thee and the woman 
between thy seed and her seed. The only way to hate sin is to love righteousness. And so God the Father describes Jesus' way in Hebrews 1 verse 9. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. You just have to do one. That is love righteousness and automatically animosity for sin develops. And so Proverbs 8.36 says, All they that hate me love death. And wisdom there refers to Christ. All they that hate me automatically love death. What am I saying? When the law of God is written on the heart, we automatically hate sin. Go to uh, Mal- not Malachi. Yes, Malachi 2. Go to Malachi 2, the last book of the Old Testament. How many books in the Old Testament? Quickly. How many in the New? All right. Our Bible teacher is on the ball. <laughs> what book did I say? Malachi, what chapter? What verse? Now read this verse carefully, six. Are you there? Read with me if you have the King James Version. The law of truth was where? In his mouth. Keep reading. And iniquity was not found in his lips. Stop. Fathers, I continue. Speak to me, God, please. In Jesus' name, I appeal to you. Amen. Let's read microscopically. The law of truth was in his mouth. Because of that, read the next statement. Iniquity was not found. Now, what's the difference between lips and mouth? Nothing. Those two statements are saying virtually the same thing. It's like, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Same thing. For he spake it was done, he commanded it stood fast. Same thing. The law of truth was in his mouth. And because the law of truth filled his mouth, iniquity was not found in his mouth. Because iniquity cannot be found where the Lord dwells. So if the Lord dwells in here, what has to be evicted? Iniquity. Now, we may have the church manual in here. And we thank God for the church manual. You may have your textbooks in here. You may have the testimonies in here. The only antidote to evil is to have the law of God in the heart, which is the very righteousness of God. Be not overcome of evil overcome evil with good and there is no higher goodness than the law of god and as verily as that which cometh out of the man defileth the man that which cometh out also blesses the man and so Jesus says, a good man out of the good treasure bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Whether good or bad, the source is the same. Our weapon of warfare is the very standard of righteousness by which Jesus Christ lived. And so as you and I proceed through 2022, people on the job will hurt our feelings. People at home will hurt your feelings. People in the church will certainly hurt your feelings. (laughs) 
Be not overcome of that evil. Overcome evil with good. Now try it. But there's a higher evil. Because what people do to us does not defile us. Why? Because it comes from the outside in. It is what we do that brings the defilement because we have a nature that's not yet dead. Now, if we convert it, it is subjugated. It is under the control of the spirit, but not dead. And so that's the evil we must watch and guard against. Paul says in Romans, uh, not Romans, Galatians 5.17, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other. There's a constant battle, but the victory is to live in obedience to the law of God by the indwelling power of Christ. And so Paul says to you and to me as I wind down, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Now, when you're crucified with Christ, you crucify, you've crucified retaliation. You've crucified getting back at people. You've crucified all related to that. And what has come alive is the selflessness of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now, go to, Matthew, go to John chapter 5. Let's see how Christ liveth in me. Go to John 5. Read verse 38 carefully. You have John 5, verse 38. Read it very, very carefully. Christ dwelling in me, says Paul. You have not, but ye have not the love of God where? Abiding in you. Why? For him, come on, whom you have sent, come on, you, receive, you believe not or receive not. And Paul, John is saying, look, Christ does not abide, the word of God does not abide in you. Why? Because you have not received Christ. Christ and the word are inseparable. Christ is the word. We receive Christ. By receiving the word. And ye have not his word abiding in you. For him whom ye have sent, ye receive not. Now listen to John 15, 7. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you. If there'd be no sin, there would still have been the Ten Commandments. Must somebody say amen? What's the whole duty of man? Fear God and keep his commandments. Will that continue in the new world? Yes. Was that the way it was before sin? Yes. Does that apply to angels? Yes. Now, if there'd been no sin, there would have been no Bible. There would still have been the law of God dwelling here. When Lucifer rebelled, Elohim says the angels were shocked to find out there was a law. Because this, it was here, they just kept it naturally. They were surprised there was a law. They just kept it naturally. 
As the world went on and on, people became more wicked, more wicked. Abraham and Noah and Shem and these guys did not need a written law. It was hid. But after the Egyptian bondage and years and years of distance from God, the Jews had forgotten, not the Jews, the Israelites, who God was. God had to come down and actually speak it because sin had multiplied. God had been forgotten. That's why Moses said, when I come to them and I tell them, you sent me, what name will I give them? They'd forgotten God. The law had to be given specifically. You have not the word of God abide in you. For whom you have sent, him you receive not. You take the Bible, you condense it into one summary, is the Ten Commandments. Not even John 3.16. Because if there had been no sin, there would have been no need for John 3.16. But there's always a need for the law of God. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. We looked at two levels of evil, what people do to us, and we discovered that does not defile us. The evil that should concern us is the evil that comes out of us. But we have the same warfare, the same weapon, overcome that evil with good. And the highest level of good is the goodness of God as expressed in his holy law. In 2022, I'm not concerned with what groups do as I am with what individuals do. Are you following me? It's a strange thing. If you take your mind back to January 6th last year, as unpleasant as that, almost a year now, can you believe that? If you ask one individual, you go by yourself and riot. Are you following me? He wouldn't have done it. Put him in a crowd and he does it. You put one Michigan fan in that stadium watching a football game between Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan scores a touchdown, he's likely to just sit there. Surrounded with 120,000, he jumps and shouts. Are you following me? We are affected by the crowd. God deals with individual. Conviction does not require crowd support. I'm talking to individuals. Ella White writes, Mind, Character, Personality, Volume 2, page 423, paragraph 2. The gospel deals with individuals. I don't care what your mother does. What are you doing? And so my thrust is, we need to make individual decisions in this new year. How we will handle evil. Two levels. What people do to us, that's the lower level. That does no spiritual damage. But the evil that comes out of us. And the answer is, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And that goodness is a very quality of God. And God's righteousness, his holiness, his goodness, all of it is concentrated in his law. That is why the law of God was not found in the outer court. It was not found in the holy place. It was found where? In the most holy place, which represents glorification. How many of you will say with me today, Father, help me to overcome evil this year with good. Can I see your hand? Ah, God bless you beyond your hopes and dreams. Stand with me.
and we'll pray. Before I pray, are there any prayer requests? But let me give you some good news. God is putting many of his people to sleep before the storm breaks. Remember, Revelation pronounces a blessing on death in Jesus. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. So as we grieve, remember that God is not grieving. God is now, he sees his servants and they can no longer be tempted. They can no longer suffer. They are secure because God in his stubborn love has done what is necessary to make sure they will be with him. He has put them to sleep. Any other prayer request? Yes, in the back. Oh, okay, what is that? All right, okay, we pray. You know, Ella White writes, I believe, that when Kellogg conducted surgeries, angels guided his hands. Mm-hmm. So we'll ask angels to guide the hands of the surgeons and the spirit to guide their minds mm-hmm, because we're God's people. Anybody else? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you today, God, that your word contains the prescription for victorious living. We are to overcome evil with good. And there is no higher good than your character as expressed in your law. Father, as we proceed through this new year, let us not be so concerned about what people do to us Let us be concerned with what we do to you by the way we live and speak and think. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear God, forgive us our shortcomings and grant us that grace, that power to so live that you may say of us as you said of Job, hast thou considered my servant. Father, bless those who are ill, but the Doug is having surgery. Jody as well. We ask you to be merciful. You guide all the professionals that will be performing the procedures that all might be well. Remember Sister Valerie. Remember uh, the request from Sister Wright. And whatever unspoken quests they may be in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, be generous, be gracious, dear God, and do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Now, Father, as we leave this church, let us begin to apply the weapons of warfare. Bless not only us, but wherever your people are, bless them, I pray. In Jesus' name, let God's people say, Amen and Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.